0: We're starting a, a series on prayer this morning, and I figured like a lot of people that prayed for the spring box are gonna be here for this series because we prayed the one. and now we're like, what on earth can we, how can we keep praying like that so that they keep winning, so that we don't need to wait another 12 years, right? But I'm, I'm so excited about this, about this series, and I wanted to, to show you something this morning, and I don't think our kids actually know what, what this is. Normally we used tin cans, back in the day. I've just got two paper cups. But I don't know who can remember, we used to play with this when we were little, tin cans, you would put a string in between, and this is quite a short one, but if you had a long one, your friend would stand on one side of the room, you would stand on the other, you would keep it against your ear, and they would talk into it, and this is a string telephone. And it doesn't work great, but it's kind of cool to, to say something softly to your friend, and they're standing five meters away, and they can hear it, right? So string telephones is so interesting, but there's a reason why kids don't play with this anymore. Because they've got cell phones. And even if if they are little, they might not have their own cell phone, but they've got yours. Abigail is used to speaking to her grandparents and to, to my sister overseas. She literally looks at them on a screen. We've moved from a place where in the old days, where we literally couldn't speak to someone without being face-to-face, to a place where we can speak to anyone across the world because of the technology. But did you know that the telephone is not even 150 years old? And even after it was invented, it took a while before it got to a place where people used it commonly. So some of your grand- grandparents might even remember a time before telephones. The only thing they might have known about telephones when they were little was was two cans and a string in between. So you still had to, to face someone face-to-face in order to hear them speak. You could write a letter, but that's not speaking to someone face-to-face, right? That's, that's the written word. But what is so interesting, today we walk around with cell phones. And I'm, I'm not that old, guys, but I can remember a time before cell phones. I was in, I, I think, grade 9 when the Nokia 3310 like became the big thing. And the, the lucky few kids in school had a Nokia 3310. Did you know that, this, that, the, that the cell phone is only about 20 years old? It's like just the other day, most of you have been on planet Earth longer than, than a telephone, than a cell phone. And here's the crazy thing, a smartphone, this thing that we're so attached to, that we're so used to, it never leaves our side. We always, almost always have it in our hand. This is only about 10 years old. So just a couple of years ago, people couldn't even imagine what it would mean to speak to someone that I cannot see. So here's an interesting thing that I thought about. If we are a generation that is so used to being able to speak to someone that we can't physically see because of the technology of telephones and cell phones, why do we struggle so much to speak to God that we can't always see? There's so many old people that had this amazing Vibrant prayer life with God. And if, if you say, but I can't see him and it's so weird like talking to God because I'm, I'm not sure if he's there, I can't see him, I don't know if he's listening, I'm like, how do you know the person on the other line is there? Because you talk to them and they respond because there's a conversation going. I, sometimes, because this is so evil to even say, I don't want to say it, but this grandmother, she's not with us anymore, but she would call you and I'm not joking, she would go for at least an hour without you being able to say, how are you? So sometimes I would just put it on speakerphone, put the cell phone on the table, and I would just continue my work. And then every now and again, she would ask a question, and you just say yes, and she just goes again. She doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what you said. So the person on the other line could actually also not be there. But you believe they are there, and you hope they are there, so you keep going with the conversation. Why do we struggle to pray? Why do we struggle to have a conversation with God if we are so accustomed to speaking to someone we can't see? It should be second nature. It should be natural for us to speak to God. And this is why we're starting this, con- this series called Prayer, a Conversation with God. Because I believe prayer, often when we think about it, we attach so much fluff to it. And we think we need to pray in specific ways in order for it to work. We need to be a specific person. We've, we've had to reach a specific place in our faith life in order for it to work. But what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take all of the fluff away and we're going to go back to the roots of what it means to pray. One of my first memories, and I think our prayer is often shaped, our prayer lives are often shaped by the memories we have of prayer. Some of my first memories was when my mom used to teach us the, the little prayer rhymes that you teach the little children to pray, but we didn't do that for a very long time, so I can't remember those rhymes. Some of you might still remember that, and one of my second most vivid memories that I have is of this elder that once, my dad was also a pastor, so we didn't often, if you grew up in traditional churches, you would, the pastor and the elders would come and actually visit you at your house like every quarter or so, and once, because my dad was a pastor, it never happened with us. But once an elder actually came to visit us when, we, we, when, we, um, when my dad started to um, pastor a new church, and he was old, like really old, like, like white. Like his hair is white, not great, like silver white. And he had a beard that was sitting on his stomach. And I think I was about standard three, so what is that, grade five. And I was sitting on the couch, and I remember he, he read something to us from the Bible, and then he started praying, and he would say like a sentence and then keep quiet, and I would open my eyes. Like I thought he, forget to say, he forgot to say amen, so like, let's go. And then he would just go again. And I'm like, what, what is this? And, and he used these amazing big words, and, and, and it was so impressive. But every like minute, he would stop for about 30 seconds and then go again. And I don't know what's your memory of prayer. Maybe you, you're not used to hearing prayer in your house. Maybe your prayer is of really big and fa- your, your memories of, of a prayer with really beautiful and big and fancy words. Maybe your memories of prayer are the little rhymes that we say before we eat together. But often, those memories can shape our prayer life. And what we want to do today is, we, throughout this series, we want to answer some of the most basic questions we could have about prayer. And the first one we want to answer is, how do I pray? What does it even mean to pray? And that is how we get into our first topic today. God longs to hear your heart. When we are talking about prayer, I think the most basic thing about prayer, it's a conversation with God where I pour my hearts out to God, and we've got a God who's eager, a God who wants to hear our prayers. Do you know how our precious prayer is to God? And I think if we could only get this as a mental image in our mind, you would pray much more. So this is what the Bible tells us about God's view of prayer. In Revelations um, in Revelations 8, I think it's about verse 5, we read these amazing stories about how the angels bring these beautiful golden bowls before God. And those bowls are filled up with prayers, and then they mix it with incense. And then they bring it before God's throne. So all of the prayers of all people are mixed with incense. It's a, it's a beautiful aroma, it, it fills heaven with a with sweet smell. And that sweet smelling prayer of yours is brought before God in this golden bowl. And then we read that God then, then listens to those prayers. He hears his prayers. He takes that bowl and then he responds. And we read that the earth is then shaken by earthquakes and fire goes down from heaven to earth. And it's this amazing story of how precious prayer is to God as, as a sweet aroma, as a sweet smell. God loves it, and how He responds to it with absolute power that shakes the earth. Not only is God longing to hear your heart, not only does, is God eager to hear your heart, not only is your prayers are they precious to God, but God is literally waiting to respond in power to our prayers. And what we're going to do today is we're going to start right not right at the beginning of the Bible, but right at the beginning where Jesus started to teach his disciples to pray. So one of the biggest sermons Jesus ever prayed was in Matthew 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount. If you've got your Bibles, you can open to Matthew 6. It's going to be on the screen. We'll be reading from New International Version. But Jesus prays this amazing, big or, or preaches this amazing sermon. And it must have been long. It's not, it's not a 30-minute sermon, okay? because he covers almost any topic you can think about. But he makes time specifically to talk about prayer and to rectify some and clarify some of the misunderstandings that people had of prayer because of memories of how other people prayed, because of tradition, because of the stuff you were taught. Jesus is like, let's first clear all of that fluff away. Let's first rectify that misunderstanding, clarify that, and then we'll get to how we're going to pray. So today we'll be reading from... Matthew six verse seven to eight. Let's read together. Jesus says this in verse verse five. Sorry, verse five. When you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's almost like we're going back to Revelation. Then when you pray, God's fire will come down from heaven to earth. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. Pagans is, is someone who does not believe, a heathen, someone who does not believe in God. So do not keep babbling like people who don't believe, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. And you probably know the rest Hallowed be your name. That was a song we learned. That is a prayer we learn since we are little. And I'm not going to read you the whole prayer. If you want to read that prayer, now you know where it is in the Bible. Matthew 6 um, from verse 9 onwards. But guys, this story shows two wrong views. This, this sermon that Jesus is preaching about prayer shows me two views of prayers of prayer that is wrong and that Jesus wants to set straight. So before we talk about how we pray, we first need to get two wrong things right. And these things, although you might be reading this and you're like, Louis, I don't stand on the street corners. Definitely not. I don't pray in public. And Louis, I I definitely don't babble. You know, I've, I've got like maybe 30 seconds of prayer and then it's done. So this doesn't apply to me. There's something deeper that I want you to see, two things that we need to rectify. And the first one that we read about is prayer is not about impressing other people. Prayer is not about impressing other people. You see, I think, can I quickly ask, and honestly raise your hand now, who here is comfortable with praying in front of other people? It's almost always a minority. We always struggle to pray before other people. Let me ask you, who of you struggle to have a conversation with anyone you know? Paul says uh, he's definitely lying. We don't struggle with that. You walk up to your husband and wife, you have a conversation. You walk up to your friends, you have a conversation. And they're like, no, Lee, but that's one-on-one. Okay, there's a group of friends. You still go and you have a conversation. We don't struggle to have conversations. It's, it's normal. It's natural. It's part of life, right? So why do we struggle to talk to God? I think the first reason is because sometimes we try to impress other people. Let me say this another way. Sometimes we don't want to pray in front of people because we are afraid that we might not be using the right words, that they will think we pray funny, that they might pray better than me. So, so although we might not be doing this as these leaders standing on street corners trying to get the praises of people because the Jews at specific times of the day they had to pray, so it was to pray. So it was common for them, just like Muslims today, you will sometimes see them at random places praying. They had to do that because there were certain times of the day that they had to pray. Was the law. But instead of doing it on their own, they went public. And and we're gonna read a little story about that in a in a while. But they went public, they wanted people to say, like, whoa, you're so great, hear that amazing prayer. You're you you you're so holy, like you pray at the right times of the day, you say the right things. And they wanted to, they wanted when people compared the prayers to themselves, to them. They wanted people to feel a little ashamed of themselves. They wanted to see more holy, better, bigger Christians. I hate that word. He's such a big Christian. How do you measure that? How do you measure love? There's no such thing as a big Christian or not. There are, there are people who say they're Christian and it's not Christian. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. That's it. But, but we're like, he's such a big Christian. He's got such beautiful prayers. We struggle because we try to impress other people or we try to avoid the condemnation of other people. Comparison is the problem again. don't want to pray because we're afraid it's going to be compared. And guys, what is so interesting to me is there is such a huge difference between praying to receive the praises of people and praying from your heart. I have heard a lot in my life, and I've heard a lot of people praying and you can hear the difference between someone who's saying all the right words, a prayer that's, that's written down because they want to hit the right spots, they want to say the right things, they want to sound eloquent and fancy. And it's like, whoa, that's impressive. But it doesn't move your spirit, does it? There's a difference between a prayer like that and something that flows from someone's heart. And you can hear that it's, it's, it's coming from the heart. It's like a love letter that they are reading out loud to God. There's such a huge difference. And I want to tell you today, we need to get to that point where we forget about what other people think about our prayer life and where we care more about what God says about our prayer life because this is the reward, Jesus says. If you care about what other people think, Jesus says, your reward will lie in what they think. That's literally what he's saying. He said, they already got their reward. Their reward for standing on the street corner and sounding very fancy, do you know what their reward was? Not far from heaven, The reward was people saying like, Man, you pray amazing. Good job, buddy. And they feel, felt all chaffed, but the earth didn't shake. Heaven didn't rumble. No fire came down. We have to move past that place. It doesn't matter what other people think about our prayers. It matters what God thinks about our prayers. God doesn't care about the fanciness of your prayers, about the words you use, about the untimeness of your prayers. But he matters what happens in that moment when you are alone with him. When we read this, we read that Jesus says, instead of doing that, rather go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. And this is often where people say like, but Louis, why did you ask about public prayer? Jesus clearly said, It's private. I should go into my room. I should close the door. It's between me and God. Jesus is not saying, don't pray in public. Jesus prayed in public. The the disciples throughout the ages, from the time of Jesus to today, the church, we still pray in public. And there is power in it, and it moves other people's spirits when it comes out of our hearts. But what Jesus is saying, it is not about what people think of your prayer it is about what god thinks of your prayer because it comes from your heart it comes from a personal place and it doesn't matter if it's in your room or whether it's in your car or whether it's in church or whether it's on the street corner or at your place of business what matters is that that prayer comes from deep inside your heart your soul it's about attitude that's what matters These religious leaders, these hypocrites had the wrong attitude. They wanted to get the praise of people instead of the praise of God. But there is a second issue that Jesus talks about, a second misconception we should fix that I believe is also a problem for us today, especially because of the way a lot of us grew up in Christian families. And that is prayer is not about using the right words or rhymes. I think one of two things happened. In, in, in the life of people who grew up as Christians. Either we st- stick to the rhymes, that so every time we eat, we just pray the same rhyme. When we go to bed, we still pray the same rhyme that mom taught me when I was five years old. Or I don't pray because my words aren't fancy enough. I'm not a public speaker. I don't speak like, I don't use big Afrikaans words or big English words. By the way, did you know when Afrikaans started, way, way, way back, For a long time people spoke Afrikaans, but never translated the Bible into Afrikaans, never prayed in Afrikaans, they still did it in Dutch. And do you know what's crazy why they did it? Because they believed God couldn't understand them because it was this mixture of a bunch of languages. I'm like, the God who created language? The God who gave you a voice? Do you really think he doesn't know what you're saying no matter what your language is? If it's Afrikaans or English or Zulu or Tosa or French or Swahili? God understands it. He's the creator of language. And he doesn't need language to hear your heart. But we struggle because we compare our words to others. Jesus talks about as he said there were pagans that used to, to go about and they would just like say these same words over and over again, like chants. And they thought like if they just kept doing this, they would go into this place where God would hear them, where God would answer them. It's almost like they wanted to to bribe God with this brain dead prayer that they just kept repeating. And they're like, if I ask enough, like he's going to do it. I just need to keep saying this prayer. I need to keep up that rhyme. This is like not about your words or your rhymes. It's not about the size of your words. It's not about the length of your prayer. Like, Louis, I don't want to pray because, you know, my prayer is one minute and other people pray for half an hour. God, is like it doesn't matter. It is about your heart condition. Now, I want to challenge you today, and I want to say, don't get stuck, especially men. Don't get so stuck in the rhymes that you were taught when you were younger that you never moved to a place where you have a conversation with God. Can you imagine if the only conversation you ever had with your wife Was the vow that you shared with her on the wedding day, that's the only thing you say. No other thing. It's going to grow stale. It's going to get to a point where she won't believe you anymore. Conversation, it's natural. A conversation is an outpouring of your heart. It's an outpouring of your mind. It's an outpouring of your emotions with every single person on earth. When you get angry at someone... And, and, and you have a fight with them, that's an outpouring of your emotions and of your soul and of your mind. When you love someone, those beautiful words, those romantic words, that's an outpouring of your soul. When you just have a conversation with someone you know, that's an outpouring of whatever is going on in your mind. That is what God wants in our prayer. And what's interesting to me is then Jesus comes and He says this. He's like, you know what? God actually knows what you need before you ask Him. They're like, What? If God knows what I need, why do I need to talk to Him about it? Let me ask you this. Do you know what your children need if you're a parent? Yes, you do. You know when they're hungry. You know when they're sad. You know what's going on. Why do you want them to come to you and talk to you about it? Because you want to have a conversation. You want them to express how they're feeling. You want them to express what they need. You want them to show gratitude. You want them to show love. In fact, the Bible says that even when you don't have words, when you've got this thing deep inside your heart, and you're like, I need to bring this before God, I, I'm restless in my soul. I don't know what to do with this. I've got issues in my life, and I don't even know how to pray about it. God, it's okay, because the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and He will intercede on your behalf. So you are praying these broken words. You're praying these broken sentences. You're trying to figure out what this is about, and the Holy Spirit takes it, and He builds this masterpiece out it, and it goes into the golden bowl, and it's mixed with incense, and it's a beautiful smell, and it's brought before God's throne at your prayers, even if they're broken. God doesn't care about if your prayers or impressing other people. God doesn't care about the length of it. God doesn't care about the words you use or the language you're praying. Prayer doesn't is about sharing your heart with a father who loves to listen. A God who cares. And God wants to hear your deepest heart desires. Like a parent wants to hear their children's heart desires. Like, like a husband wants to hear his wife's deepest desires. We're called the bride of Christ for a reason. He wants to hear us. Do you know what's amazing? When we started reading the prayer that Jesus taught them. So just like, let's, let's get all of that fluff out of the way. Let's get comparison out of the way. Let's get the rhymes behind us. Let's get the fact that you think you don't pray long enough or the fact that you think you don't pray beautiful enough. Let's get all of that out of the way and then we get to what a prayer should sound like. And there's a reason I didn't write it down because I don't want to go through that with you this morning. You can do it on your own. I wanted you to see only one thing in this prayer. Because that one first line that we know so well, our Father in heaven, and we just pray it as if nothing happens, that line changed the way people prayed for eternity. So in the Hebrew Bible, every time, especially in some translations, in the Old Afrikaans, in the New International Version, you would read, especially in the Old Testament, the word Lord, sometimes in all capitals. So every time you see that, and in some translations, sadly, they don't show it, there is a four-letter word that's written down in the Old Testament, Yahweh. It's actually with the vowel spelled Yehovah. So some old churches, you would hear the word Yehovah. But it's actually Yahweh, and why? how do we know this? Because a Jew wasn't allowed to write God's name, and they weren't allowed to pronounce God's name. So even today, if a Jew would write the word God, they would write G slash D. Because God's name is so holy. God is such a perfect God. He's so far above us that we weren't even allowed to say his name. They had to pray to a God and they couldn't even use his name. They couldn't even directly talk to him. When Jesus comes and he doesn't give us permission to use God's name, not only does Jesus say you can go to God and call him Yahweh, Jesus goes, one step so much deeper that it's actually mind-blowing. Jesus uses a Hebrew word, Abba. A couple of years ago, my brother-in-law worked for a, for a Jewish man who owned a, a furniture um, shop. And I walked into his office, and they speak English and everything. But against his wall, there was cards made by his grandchildren. In English. But do you know what the word is they used for his name? Abba. Jesus revolutionized prayer. Jesus said, God is not far from you. God is not so holy that you cannot go before his throne. He is so holy, by the way. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are made clean. We are made pure. And Jesus is like, now you can go before God's throne. You don't have to stand at a distance hoping that this holy God would someday hear your prayer. Jesus is like, now you can go on your knees before your dad. That's what the word Abba means. That is literally what a Hebrew child would call his dad, his Abba. For me, it was Papa. That was what I called my dad. For you, it might be Daddy, Dad, Pa, whatever it might be. Jesus like, now that's how close God is. That is how the heart God has for us. It's like a dad who wants to hear your prayers. And Jesus like, now you go to God, and you don't use a name that you are not even allowed to pronounce. You go to Him and you say, my dad. And we translated it so fancy. Father, it sounds so far away. He's like, no, no, it's close. It's a dad who's waiting to hear your deepest heart desires. And in that one line, Jesus is like, it's not about using the right names. I know people can sometimes get so caught up in like, what names of God should I pray? He's got a name, that's Yahweh. The other are just words we use to describe God, Right? but we can get so caught up in all of that and then feel like I'm not good enough to pray again because I don't know all of those names and I, I don't know all of the ways God are described and I don't feel good enough. She's like, it doesn't matter about the names. You've got a dad who wants to hear your heart. He looks down from heaven at you and he loves you so much that every prayer, like you would have that little box at home and every love letter you receive goes into that box. I still have, by the way, the first love letter is that you, London, I send each other it's like I've got this golden bowl and every prayer is in that and it's mixed with incense and it smells so beautiful. I want to read you an example of two prayers this morning. A prayer of a guy that missed the first two lines. It's not about impressing people. It is not about the words you use. And then a prayer from a man who knew it came from the heart. Luke 18 verse 10. Jesus, by the way, tells a story to people who thought that they were such great followers of God. In the previous line, you can actually go and read it. It describes to who Jesus is telling this parable. A parable is a story Jesus shared to describe a deeper truth to people. So this is the parable that Jesus tells. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, a religious leader, a pastor, a church, a churchy person, a big follower of God. And the other, a tax collector, someone who was corrupt, someone who cheated, someone who stole, someone who was unworthy to be before God. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. And this is his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I thank you that I'm so great. I thank you that I'm not like robbers or evildoers or adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. He's like, God, I am so perfect. Thank you that I'm so good. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up at heaven. And then he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, Home justified before God. If you were in that that temple and you heard that a Pharisee preach, what would it do to your soul? I would want to stand out and walk out, as a lot of Christians have walked out of church and they don't want to go back because they say the church is full of hypocrites. That guy did do a lot of stuff that the Bible commands us. The Bible tells us to love God. The Bible tells us to not steal. The Bible tells us to not be adulterers. The Bible tells us to give our tithe. So what he was saying was not necessarily wrong, but it was a bad attitude. He wanted the praise of people. And I can assure you, he walked out of that place, and not only was that prayer of him not in what Jesus said to love your neighbor, not in, in, with that attitude. But I can assure you he walked out of that and his life is also full of sin, also filled with mistakes. That prayer would make you want to walk out. But there was a second man. And if you heard his prayers, it would have filled your eyes with tears. Because let me tell you what it takes for a man to not even be able to look up at heaven. Let me tell you what it takes, an adult man full of ego, because we all have it, it's built into our beings, to just beat your chest. That is a broken man. That's a man who knows that the only way for him to be saved is, is through Jesus, is God. No fluff, no long sentences. No fancy words. People have asked me, what's tattooed on my arm? That's his prayer. That's literally how short that line is. Because I want to remember that I shouldn't be like the Pharisee, more consumed about what other people are doing, right or wrong, but that my case of God should be at a good place. That is a prayer coming from the heart. That is putting the cup against the ear of God and whispering to him your deepest desires right from a heart, a broken heart. God hears that. Jesus said that prayer, he says, he went home justified before God. That prayer was brought before God's throne in that golden bowl mixed with incense, and it smelled so to God. And God responded with fire from heaven. God responded with Jesus and he saved that man's life. I want to ask you this morning, what's holding you back? Maybe you're still comparing yourselves to other people. Maybe you're still stuck in the rhymes. Maybe you're afraid that your words are not fancy enough or long enough. What's holding you back from putting this Against God's ear and speaking into it your deepest heart desires. Prayer is simple, simply this. What is prayer? It's a conversation with God, straight from your heart, not the right words, not the perfect words, but words filled with who you are. When last did you have a heart to heart with your father in heaven? When last did you have a prayer like that tax collector where you were just like, God, without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I can't get through this. When last did you have a heart-to-heart? And if you are feeling like your prayer life is dead, like God is not hearing you, the issue might be because you're not having a heart-to-heart. But I want to tell you today, if you pray from your heart, however broken, it's put in a golden bowl, mixed with incense. And it's brought before God's throne. And he will respond with fire. Let's pray. Lord, we, we are so good at adding so much fluff around everything and, and building traditions and building rhymes and, and trying to impress other people and comparing ourselves. And in the process, it's so easy to miss you. You are a dad, a father who desires a conversation with us, a conversation flowing from the deepest parts of our heart. And I pray for everyone here this today, Lord. I pray for everyone listening to this, watching this online. I pray that you would move our prayer lives deeper than it's ever been. I don't pray for length. I don't pray for fancy words, Lord. I pray for deepness this morning. I pray that when, when we pray, the earth would shake out of response to your answer. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.